Hello, Lonely Hour listeners. This is Julia Bainbridge, and I'm back with our Inner Lives mini-series. I'm interested in how people tend to their private selves in this overstimulated era. Serendipitously, right as this idea started to marinate, four authors, each of whom has published works related to this topic, came to my attention. Those authors will be our guests for this four-part exploration. Today we've got Priya Parker, a group conflict resolution facilitator whose TEDx talk on purpose has been viewed over a million times. Priya wrote The Art of Gathering, a book in which she sets out to reinvigorate the way we meet. It arrives at a time when she believes coming together is more important than ever. Our arbiters of meaning are changing, and the places from which we used to derive meaning are no longer places we trust. And so the weight that comes into our informal time, our social time, has actually increased because we're now relying on each other even more than ever before to create meaning rather than going to a house of worship or rather than getting our core identity from a company that we spend with 25 years. So there's the book and the book tour. There's Priya's work, which is all about putting the right people in the right rooms and basically helping them experience a sense of belonging. And there are her husband and children. What about Priya Parker's inner life? To me, a well-lived life is when your outside is reflected of highly conscious decisions internally. I'm fortunate to have a mother in particular who cultivated and questioned my inner life from a very young age and who valued it. So growing up, and I grew up in these two homes because my parents were divorced and they had joined custody, but in my mother and stepfather's home for a series of years when I would wake up and go downstairs and have breakfast, the first question they would ask me is, what did did you you dream dream about? about? I mean, a lot of my dreams, at least in my teenage years, in my early 20s, I would say there was two themes. One was finding my voice. So whether it was dreams of trying to speak and feeling like I couldn't get the words out or my mouth was garbled in some way. Some of them were related to the role of the masculine and the feminine in me, how the masculine or men would show up in dreams and how women would show up in dreams. And I would share my dreams and then we would analyze them. And they would have a kind of a belief that, or a question or a frame that basically would say, if every person in the dream was you, what are those parts that they represent? And I think in part because of my mother, this was her frame on it, but was a continual evolution of how do I speak what I want to say even if people around me aren't ready to hear it. You know, I also played softball very competitively through my elementary school, middle school, and then early high school. And a huge part of my softball development was not only my prowess as a pitcher or a catcher or my willingness to call plays or shape the team in various ways strategically, but was also a willingness to literally like yell cheers from the dugout. Softball is a very vocal sport. I think exploring other worlds, whether it's dream or whether it's something like Tai Chi or painting or just something that's not just your everyday can be a helpful metaphor to help you understand your own life. Thanks to her mother, Priya started developing a vocabulary with which to explore parts of her inner life and make meaning of them from a very young age. As she puts it, she was equipped with the tools to deeply understand what it was that she desired. 
today I have a full life and I have two children and a partner and my work. And every day at different parts of the day, I continue to just check in with myself and in big ways and smalls and, and, and just say, is this what I want? Do I choose this? Do I still choose this? And if and when the answer is, this doesn't really feel like what I want, I pause and I think about how did I make the decisions that got me here? This happens less and less the more comfortable I am saying no to things, but it could be at a social gathering where I come and it feels kind of vague and diluted in some way. Like, I'm not really sure why I'm there. I'm not sure who everybody else is. I'm quickly realizing that the conversations that are being had are not the conversations I necessarily want to be having. People are looking over my shoulder. There's a sense of FOMO. Like, it's just sort of, it's a gathering that I feel like I, particularly now, would much rather be with my children. So I'll pause and say, why did I say yes to this? And in most contexts right now, if I say yes to something I don't totally want to go to, it's usually out of obligation or loyalty to a specific person. So then I pause and I think, I care about this person. And because this was the form that the invitation came in, I wanted to honor it by saying yes to that invitation. But if I had paused and either picked up the phone or written a note and said, hey, I miss you, I love you, can we actually go for a morning walk instead? I would have found my need to exercise honoring my friend, but not only in the version of the invitation that it came in. And I think of friends and particularly elders that I know who have created a life that they thought they chose and ended up in a place they didn't want was because they believed that decisions they made were unreversible. And so I've just been very conscious to continue to say, do I want to live here? All the way to with my husband, I like, do we want to live in the city? And almost thinking about renewing your vows to a decision that you made, not every day, but maybe every three years, every five years, to just check in. It was like, this is the life that we've chosen. Is it one we still want? When we talked, Priya mentioned a 2014 episode of the On Being podcast, in which host Krista Tippett asks writer Paolo Coelho about love and how he's been married to the same woman for 34 years. And he paused and he said, But is she the same woman? I don't think so. I'm like, eh, you know, it was such a beautiful answer. And he said, She changed a lot. So did I. You can imagine in 1982, I was dreaming about uh, being a writer uh, in 1979, sorry. And I was a person who was totally frustrated. And she, she had her dreams. And throughout all these years, our marriage went through many moments of destruction, so to say. Not destruction in a bad way. For example, it's like you build a house and then you say, this house does not fit me anymore. So let's reorganize, but let's continue to live here. We don't need to move because I love you and you love me. So let's reconstruct this house. And he was using it as a metaphor, but what I loved about that example was we are all evolving both individually and in relationship. And often the decisions that we make outlive or don't outlive the way we change. And so a huge part of how I consciously live is to just make sure at different moments, sometimes casually, sometimes much more intentionally, is do I choose this life?
Thank you to Priya Parker for spending time with us. Please check out her book, The Art of Gathering, How We Meet and Why It Matters. As for me, you can email me at lonelyhourpodcast at gmail.com, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lonely Podcast, or you can find us on the Lonely Hours Facebook page. Sign up for our newsletter at thelonelyhour.com. Otherwise, as I always say, enjoy yourself. This episode was produced by me, Julia Bainbridge, and mixed and sound designed by Keith J. Nelson.